Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So what does having an iconic quarterback mean to an NFL franchise, especially one in a small market? Well, I talked to a couple of people who should know. And Major League Baseball outlined its plan to play during the coronavirus pandemic. We'll get into some of those recommendations. Where Blake Snell was right and where he was wrong in his statements last week as players come to the defense of the Rays pitcher. And we had live sports on Sunday. And you know what? It was terrific. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, I'll start with... uh, with the latest, and that was Sunday, man, it was enjoyable to see something that wasn't taped. <laughs> I mean, I know they weren't playing a golf tournament, right? Mm-hmm. I started with, uh, you know, with, with the guys that were playing, you know, for charity. And, and by the way, off the air, um, they raised something like $4 million, but you had Rory McIlroy. Close to $5 million, that's yep. right. Yeah, and you had McIlroy, you had uh, Dustin Johnson, and then Matthew Wolf against and Ricky Fowler playing against them. A couple of observations. One, I see no trouble with PGA golfers wearing shorts. It is way, way past two. Hey, that's what I, mean, I wear. That's... Not that I'm <laughs> yeah, that right. good, but <laughs> frankly, that's what everybody wears. And I, for whatever reason, like, and, and even the LPGA allows them to wear shorts. But for some reason, we've had to uh, only wear uh, see long pants on pro golfers. Um, and it was also very, it was also very weird to watch them carry their own clubs. I'll say this: I saw a guy hit a shot on uh, what amount to the 19th hole, and that was McIlroy to see closest to the pin to decide it for $1.1 million uh, uh, on this hole. And uh, basically, um, you know, he had to carry his own clubs. <laughs> and I, you'll never see a guy uh, shoot, a, shoot a ball or hit a ball off a tee for a million dollars that has carried his clubs for 18 or 19 holes. It was pretty pretty refreshing that way. So that was cool. Um, I thought that was neat. So then – and then um, you had NASCAR. NASCAR was mm-hmm. back. And if there's ever a sport, let me say this, if there's a sport that will, will not necessarily be that distracted by the lack of fans, at least from a televised standpoint, um, because the focus is on the car and, of course, the crews were there and they were doing what they do in the pits and all of that, I think it's NASCAR. The broadcast seemed exactly the same to me other than when Kevin Harvick won um, you know, at Darlington, and there, his crew obviously didn't didn't run up to to greet him, and um, you know he more or less did donuts there in the infield by himself. But other than that, I thought it was terrific. Well, the subject of the the broadcast, the cars, are what makes all the noise that you hear, and that's why it that's works. Right? It, that's you right. know, th- those cars are loud. Whether it's IndyCar, NASCAR, you name it, that sound is what you hear prominently on the broadcast. There's crowd noise behind it. But, right, but the car itself, what you're watching or what the mm-hmm. drivers are driving, is what makes the noise. So yeah, it seemed natural. I mean, you know, Kevin Harvick even said he goes, "I I didn't think it'd be that different until I we won the race. I'm sitting here and it's dead silent, <laughs> which that's got to be a little weird. You know, you just you win this yeah. big race, your 50th race of your career, you're only the 14th driver to ever do so, and 
It's silent. <laughs> nobody, not only that, but nobody comes to see you. <laughs> You're just kind of like, hey, I just. Uh, uh. Well, he even okay. said, hey, to my wife and kids, I'll bring the trophy home to you. <laughs> I mean, they're not there with them. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, and you always see their families with them in, in that at the, those racetracks. And um, so, yeah, that was a little uh, different, bizarre. And, and the day actually started, if, you, if you're into soccer, Bundesliga returned today in Germany. The Bundesliga. Yeah, I caught part of the Bayern Munich Union Bayern match, and, and that was weird. Without fans, I mean, you're hearing the players here, here, you know, you know, asking to pass the ball and this, and you're hearing all that, which you normally don't on the telecast because sure. you've got fans in the stands and that. So it was that was a little different. Um, you know, I couldn't make out anything what they were saying, but you could hear. You know, it was it was just kind of quiet. You know, I know Fox on the NFL is going to put crowd noise in virtually this year for the NFL. At least that's what the Joe Buck has said. And you know, quite frankly, I, I think it would help if they can do it right. If they do it right. No, I think it'll help uh, from from a broadcast standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think it'll there'll be some normalcy to it. Quite frankly, I mean, um, you know, I, it, it'll be different. Obviously, that knowing that there's no fans, and if you see the, uh, you know, you see the stadiums, and and uh, there will be shots where, where it'll be obvious that there's nobody mm-hmm. there. But as far as like the aesthetics of it, and and just watching it on TV, look, uh, if you put on a Madden game these days with the advanced technology that they've had. Other than you know some slight differences as far as the the players on the field go, as far as the way the game sounds, you listen to Charles Davis or whoever else is calling on that mm-hmm. Madden right now, and there's crowd noise piped into that. You wouldn't know the difference in terms of the sound of the game and what no. the announcers are saying. Um, it's it, it it is a a legitimate you know uh, pro broad, broadcast, mm-hmm. and so from that standpoint, I think everything will aesthetically will sound. And probably look the same, with the exception, if, of course, if they have a top-notch sound engineer. And I say that because a computer program is written where, you know, the computer program essentially says if they make this catch, and the crowd cheers, and this, and right? I mean, you've that's got a, right. you've got a sound engineer that's going, okay, now I got to add more crowd noise here. I got to take it down here. I got to know who's mm. who's the home, who's the way. Who I mean, you know, it, it's you know it's one thing in the Madden games and they do it very well and it sounds it sounds great but they also have time to edit it well, and do it right it's a computer right. program that says if this happens then the crowd that's does right. this if this the, you know i mean that's essentially right. what computers do if this yeah. then this that you're watching a live game in real time and, yeah and you've got to be able to react as such so it's it's not it's yeah, not going to be an easy task i mean there's technology to help them in this and in, in that but it's mm. not as simple as just, you know, oh, a crowd noise. I mean, okay. here's what I want to know. If there's a bad call on the home team, can they get the people to boo? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, well, but, but it's you know? even, you know, if, 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 okay, if, if the home team's on offense, is the crowd going to go, you know, you know, Peyton yeah, Manning quiet right. where, you know, Peyton Manning taught yeah. the crowd in Indy to, to be silent. That's now right. other teams have followed suit, but, and then when the other, right. t- you know, it, it's all that stuff involved in it. So. Yeah, you're right. It's going to depend on who's pushing those buttons for sure. I mean, it can be um, but, done, and, and and believe me, Fox and CBS they have the top notch people working for them, so I have no doubt they can do it right. But it's mm-hmm. not as easy as it just hey, just add crowd noise. Well, you made a great point about NASCAR because the sound of of NASCAR is is the cars, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the engines revving and all of that stuff, and the um, you know the 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 changing of the tires and the power tools and all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could hear all of it. And so that, that part was pretty cool. Well, I mean, starting um, when, when Dale Earnhardt passed away, well, I think it's almost 20 years ago now, if not more, they mm-hmm. did the, the third lap of the race the silent. 
yeah. to, to honor Dale Earnhardt. And they do they continue to do that. Not necessarily for the third lap, but they do that. Fox does the rev it up. And, and all it is is like a lap or two of just the cars. And all you hear is zoom, 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 zoom. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that is the soundtrack of NASCAR. It's not yeah. the fans. It's it's the actual mm-hmm. race cars themselves whizzing by. That's right. So anyway, thank God sports are back. Uh, we'll, we'll see if everything else can go down. We'll talk a little bit about Major League Baseball and some of the plans that they have. Also, the NHL seems to be uh, going to come to life. Uh, I mean, just everything uh, the arrows pointed up. In the NFL, um, we can get into this a little bit, but the um, facilities are allowed to reopen in the states where um, they don't, you know, where they don't have bans, obviously. Um, but when I say that, it's it's for front office personnel, not coaches and players per se. Um, and there's a limit to the number of people that can be in those buildings. Seventy five, I think, is the max, or half of your half of your staff, I believe. But um, we'll talk about some of that. Uh, still too soon for players to uh, consider going back into those facilities. Well, the NFL um, wants to I, make sure that if players are allowed back in one facility they can be back in all of them yes and that's, and that's going to be problematic i mm-hmm. think because i i don't know for example like when um, new york new jersey chicago certainly california in some areas when those states will actually open for that kind of business and um i i, I mean i'm certain those teams um in those places are looking for alternative sites where they can host a training camp or off-season program or whatever that they come back as um, and, and may, in fact, you know, they may, in fact, having to play the, the you know, the season, the 2020 season in, in uh, a city other than the one where they currently reside, depending on where it is, especially California. So, I mean, all those things need to be worked out. I, I think the NFL is going to move forward, though, uh, and probably require those teams to do that. And if it's a competitive disadvantage, so be it. Uh, I'm not sure New Orleans was in a great situation after Hurricane Katrina. I'm not comparing the two in terms of its of its reach, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, they had to play in San Antonio and Baton Rouge and they had to train in San Antonio and, uh, it was disruptive as hell and it showed on the football team, but they played the season. And so, uh, there might be some of that that goes on as well. And, and we got time for, you know, they got the longest runway. Obviously there's uh, some 80 days, I think almost to the hall of fame preseason game, which you can think about preseason and not necessarily something that's, that you have to have in order to prepare for the regular season. So um, they, they have the most time. And they're certainly going to be studying what uh, what the NFL is doing, what Major League Baseball – I'm sorry, what Major League Baseball will do in the NFL will be studying what, what hockey and, and all those sports as well. Uh, with respect to this weekend, if you didn't have a chance to check it out, go to TampaBay.com. Um, I wrote a story over the weekend. It appeared on Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times about how uh, – the other half lives, and that's what the Tampa Bay Bucks fans are going to experience with Tom Brady, the upper crust of the NFL. I'm talking about those teams um, that you know found themselves that you know, the old cliche in a way in football. It's like you're, you know, you were you were born in the end zone and thought you scored a touchdown. If you've had if you've been lucky enough to have a quarterback who's iconic in your in your city on your team, like a Tom Brady. Uh, before that, um, you know, uh, in other cities like a Peyton Manning, um, you know, certainly Ben Roethlisberger has won his share of Super Bowls. Um, you know, going back before that, I mean, whoever it was, Brett Favre, you name it, uh, it it's a different experience. And uh, two of the guys that have experienced that uh, we know very well, Clyde Christensen, who's a quarterback's coach now for the Bucks and was under Tony Dungy, certainly went through that in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. 
as did Dungey. And I had a chance to uh, talk to both of those gentlemen. And it really is, uh, until you've been through it, and I think Bucks fans are just now starting to experience this, certainly with respect to uh, the national TV games, with five national TV games uh, in 2020 um, that, that has come out on the schedule. But it's more than that. I mean, it really is uh, special. And it's it's really a, a huge boost if you're a small market team. If you're a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Indianapolis Colts who are struggling for relevancy, even when you have good football teams. There was a time, look, where, for many, many years where the Bucks were contenders, where they won uh, 10 or more games, when they went to the playoffs four out of six years under Tony Dungy and kept going after that under John Gruden. Um, but it was it was the defense. It wasn't um, any uh, iconic type quarterback, and it's just different when you have Mannings or or in this case Brady's or Favre's or Drew Brees's, and, and uh, as Clyde Christensen told me, you know, there's just not a lot of those guys, and the notoriety and and the sort of respect they give um, to that particular franchise in that city uh, is totally different. And he got to experience that firsthand. Um, with the Colts, as did Dungy. When I talked to Dungy, he says, look, you know, and, and Tony didn't go there till Peyton's fifth year, but he said, Indianapolis, if you go back before Peyton Manning, that town was about Indiana basketball number one, mm-hmm. Pacers basketball number two, and Notre Dame football number three. I mean, that's that's really what it was there. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that was Indy. I mean, I, I remember, you know, yeah. I grew up well, a couple hours northeast of there. And, and maybe I mean, racing is somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Indy five, Indy car racing, particularly in the month of May. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would. Be, so they that were would be all different. ahead of the Colts. The Colts, who came from Baltimore, obviously a team that was packed up in the Mayfire vans and by the Ursays and moved to Indianapolis wasn't even their team. It was one that they pretty much stole. Um, they just they just weren't that they just weren't that famous. And if you think about or that popular and before Manning, and we think about like. Um, you know, the Bucks, where they have been the last 12 years, when you've got quarterbacks like, uh, you know, Jeff Garcia and Brian Greasy and Byron Leftwich, who's now the coordinator, Luke McCown, Josh Freeman. These are the guys that have been quarterbacking here. Josh Johnson, uh, Josh McCown, Mike Glennon, and then Winston the last five years. I mean, none of those guys really moved the needle in terms of, of being iconic. Obviously, Jameis had a lot of notoriety being a national champion and a Heisman Trophy winner. You were hoping um, Jameis was going to move. You were hoping he would be one of those guys. Absolutely, and that's that's where you find them, right? But uh, it didn't happen. And, um, you know, to have have a guy like Brady come here, um, you know, is is really different. And, and, you know, this is really – I mean, obviously Peyton, guys like Peyton Manning were there 15 years and Brett Favre and those guys – so those towns got to go through with it, with them from start to finish. Now what, what Brady's attempting to do is more like what Manning did in Denver. It's mm-hmm. more like I've left one franchise that I changed the culture of, and now I'm going to go to another place. Can I get it done post-Indianapolis? And, and so there's, there's very similar situations. When you talk to Christensen or Dungy, they see those parallels. You've got two big play-wide receivers on the outside, um, you're down the road in your career. You've got the experience. You know how to get it done. You want to build something again. Um, there, there are things that you can pass on, you know, to this franchise that that you have experienced and and um, can bring to uh, you know a team in, in, in a city that hasn't experienced the postseason for a long time. 
and you know, and, and even just you know, right down to the schedule, I mean, you see it immediately with these national TV games. I talked to Dungey, and he was telling me, he goes, you know, when I first got to Tampa in in '95, of course, everybody told him if you go eight and eight, they'll throw a parade. Well, you know, he managed to to top that in his second year, and you wound up getting fired, uh, uh, you know, after um, six seasons and going to the playoffs four times. But the one thing that was true was he goes, you know, we were just hoping for, you know, a 430 game. Like we knew we had the one mandatory night game. But then after that, he'd look at the schedule and it was one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock. And in his second year, they started out, they were 4-0 and they were playing the Arizona Cardinals. And he goes, I remember when uh, they told us that if we beat the Cardinals, our game against Green Bay the next week was going to be moved to 4.30, just 4.30. And he goes, and let me tell you, I thought we had arrived at that point. And they did win, and they played at 4.30, and it was a national TV game. And like that, you know, you, you got the, you know, whoever whoever it was probably, you know, probably Madden or somebody like that calling the, calling the late afternoon game. So, I mean, those are the things that, you know, the teams strive for relevancy and, and, you know, no matter what, like if you're in New York, if you're the Giants or even the Jets or you're Dallas, you know, Dallas went a lot of years without making the postseason. They're not even a guaranteed team to make it every year now. And yet there's tons of eyeballs on Dallas, right? Uh, big market. Um, same is true with New York. Uh, Chicago, certainly. L.A. now with the Rams and the Chargers will get a lot of run. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in Las Vegas with the Raiders. But those bigger cities, those bigger markets are going to get attention, you know, whether they win or lose because there's so many fans, so many people, um, you know, from a network standpoint. But, um, you know, as, as Clyde said, he goes, you know, it just, it just changes everything when you have one of those guys. Here's how else it changes if you talk to Dungeon Christensen, and that is that you go into every game expecting to win, um, and you know that what you're going to get from that quarterback, he's going to be prepared He's going to dominate at times, but regardless of what happens during the game or whoever you're playing, you you think you have a chance, and you think you have a chance even in the fourth quarter when you're down a couple scores, and that's what the belief that these kind of guys bring you. And you know, when you look at Brady and his you know what 249 victories and 30 in the postseason, um, you know, I mean, that sort of thing is is rare, and I think he's a little better situation than Manning because I don't think physically he's deteriorated quite as much. Peyton really struggled, especially his last year in Denver. But then again, he went to two Super Bowls and won one of them. So if they can get that out of him and they can experience what the other half of the NFL, I mean, then that's the thing, right? You have the haves and the haves nots in the NFL, and it's all about quarterbacking, or at least a big, big part of that is when you look at who's actually won Super Bowls. And I just think that, you know, Having Brady is, is something that uh, that this franchise has never experienced, even though he's going to be 43. But but understand this, too, and this is the thing that both Dungy and Christensen pointed out to me, is that this is an enormous, an enormous chore. This is a mountain that Brady is going to attempt to climb, with or without what's going on from a pandemic standpoint and not being around his teammates. That makes it even tougher, right? He needs to learn those other receivers. He needs to throw to them, uh, get their body language, all of that, and he can't do it right now. But even if that were available to him, it would still be a huge mountain because he spent 20 years with the same franchise, with the same coach, the same offense. Um, All of those things are different now for him, the different city, everything. And it can be refreshing, 
but it can also be, um, you know, very restrictive because he's trying to learn new things on the fly. And, oh, by the way, you're opening up against New Orleans in New Orleans week one when you probably, you know, have the least amount of chemistry with your players uh, whenever that game occurs. So um, just an interesting conversation. Check it out on TampaBay.com. I think you'll enjoy what uh, what Clyde and Tony uh, had to say and some of their insights uh, with respect to uh, to Tom Brady, who we still haven't seen because <laughs> uh, you know none of us can get close to him. Whatever they're doing, hey, but the parks the are side, open now, knows? so you know he won't get busted that's, anymore. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I didn't read where uh, where Mayor Jane has spotted him or or anybody has uh, has videotaped him. Has it been cited again? I haven't no, cited or cited is that yeah s i g h t e d that was the big thing that night was well she said there was you know he was cited because you know officially he shouldn't have been in the in the park but that was not exactly what she meant S- when a former S-I-G-H-T-E-D. police chief says cited you think c i t e d I think one thing yeah <laughs> I mean you got to be specific words matter here you know mayor come on you got us all worked up there so. Um, Anyway, we so we had lots of uh, lots of, of little incremental progress. I mean, I think you know, I'm going to guess, Steve, that the the next team, the next organization or, or franchise or or league to come back, I think is going to be Major League Baseball. I mean, we saw golf and and do you know some of their charitable things, um, and, and then we saw obviously NASCAR is back, and they have a bunch of races scheduled. But um, and you mentioned the uh, the German Soccer League. But but I think as far as the United States go, I mean, baseball seems to be the one that's on deck, so to speak, pun intended. Yeah, I think they. I mean, I think NBA's got the shortest lead up time, probably. But yeah. I don't think they're in a rush, right? And and as right. we discussed last week with the NHL too, the NBA and NHL have already decided next season's not going to start till December, possibly right. January, and it's right. The goal is if you start next season later, maybe fans can be in the stands by then. Or mm-hmm. to a bigger degree. I mean, you know, it's possible mm-hmm. the NFL will have fans in the stands this fall, but it may not be full. It may be limited. And college football the same way. So the NBA and NHL next season, they've already decided it's going to start later. So they're not in a rush to do this now. I mean, they want to they want to finish the season or maybe go straight to the playoffs. And it sounds like hockey is close to agreeing to a twenty four play a twenty four team playoff, which would mean seven teams wouldn't come back. We'd have twenty four in the playoffs, and and let's go. Mm-hmm. But so baseball, because of weather, if you want to have teams playing in their home stadiums, which seems to be their goal for the most part, I mean, there's going to be some teams that can't, but then they've got to start their season sooner than later. And the sooner they start it, the more games they can get in ultimately. You right. know, if they, if it's a half season, it's 80, you know, 78, 82 games. But if you can start quicker, maybe you can get a hundred games in or even more than that, which mm-hmm. all equates to television money and everything else you're doing. Right. So baseball does seem to be the next one up. Uh, MLS could be too as well. They're talking about going to sending all the teams to Orlando for that. But um yeah, baseball seems to be next because the NBA and NHL aren't necessarily in a hurry. And and I mean Florida's open for all those things mm-hmm. obviously. Um some of the stuff that came out uh, Major League Baseball has presented I I guess it was a 67-page uh document or whatever some of their ideas. Um, what they're proposing that the players' union would have to accept is that teams will be allowed to have 50 players each under the plan uh, with the number of active players for each game. Uh, that's still being worked out. And that's easy uh, to do because they're not going to have minor league baseball. No minor league likely. baseball. That's right. And that's and, all and gate-driven. So. Exactly. And the players and the other 
uh, team personnel that aren't participating in the game itself would sit. They would sit in the stands where there would mm-hmm. not be any fans, uh, separated by at least six feet. And so um, that that also would apply. This is. I mean, you get into the weeds of this. It's kind of weird, but that would also apply some distancing standards, like during the national anthem. So you can't have high fives, <laughs> fist bumps. I'm telling you, this is, these guys are going to be like really. Uh, it's going to have to retrain themselves a little bit. No hugs, um, as would and and I don't know how this is going to go over. Boy, talk about talk about maybe a mixed blessing and something that is otherwise impossibly difficult. They're not going to allow the spitting or the tobacco use or the chewing of sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that is really difficult for some players who are. Uh, very much, uh, in some cases, with tobacco, addicted to that, um, and uh, they're going to, you know, encourage like, uh, you know, uh, to be away from base runners, you know, between pitches and that sort of thing. First and third base coaches aren't supposed to approach the base runners like they normally would to to let them yep. know how quick their moves are. And, can't touch your face I mean, for signs. Yeah. So yeah, you know, exactly. You can't do grab the ear. You can't the nose. The no get, skin to skin you know, there. Yeah. News, no. 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 Yeah. Right. Which always the yeah. the traditional was right. The you always had a um, you always had a you know sort of a of a code right. You always had mm-hmm. a, a tip off to to whether the sign was real or not, and that would be skin to skin or touch the face or the nose or pull the ear that kind of sort of thing. It was an indicator to let you know that the next sign is real. Right, so you can't do that, um, and and they're gonna like. I mean, it's as simple as like they're gonna throw a ball away after more than a couple of players touch it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want them to throw it around the infield, for example. Yep. Um, shower are shower have, at home. Shower at home, yeah. No, we don't want you going in the showers after the game. Uh, can't eat, are can't have, eat out at restaurants on the road. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, <laughs> this thing. It's uh, we are through the looking glass on some of this stuff, but um, but look, that's you know they're trying to keep the players safe, which brings us to, and we didn't have a chance to talk about this last week. I mean, we got into the mailbag. I a was going to bring up one more that the dugout telephones are disinfected after each use. After w- each use, yes. I wonder if the trash cans are disinfected after each bang. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, Houston will have to answer that. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. you know, they didn't they didn't address that in this document. Put your put your drumsticks down. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be different, and and let's just hope they get a chance to play. Um, but you know, I, I just want I wanted to I wanted to address. And here's the thing: like, there's a negotiation going on. These are the easy thing of all the things that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, safety comes first, and the players have to agree to these things. Because first and foremost is safety for everybody, not just mm-hmm. the players, but for the managers and the, and the, the you know the the support staff and the front office and PR and all those things. Everybody's got to be safe. So if they can agree to the best safety protocols, like we've just mentioned, um, the bigger issue, which they'll eventually get to, I would imagine, is compensation. And we know that the union and, and major league baseball, and we've talked about this on the podcast have pretty much decided that, look, if they play half a season, they're not going to get full compensation in terms of what their salary would be. Cause frankly, they're playing half the games. And so um, maybe they get half their salary and you know, that's certainly hurtful to some more than others. If you're making $25 million a year. Um, but regardless that that's sort of what they have negotiated 
what's not been negotiated is this idea that Major League Baseball recognizes they may have to play this season without fans. And the loss of revenue um, you know, from, from each team to have to put on these games with no fans is, is immense. And, you know, Blake Snell, uh, you know, was on the video game. And I, I think sometimes, you know, maybe you're not really thinking in terms of a press conference or you're not answering questions. You're just sort of musing about things. And um, so he got on one of his Hey Bro rants, which I had a guy the other day talk take me out. I'm not going to say his name because he could send me hate emails. So I should read them on the air, actually. It'd be funny. But um, he was, you know, taking me out about what Mike Evans, you know, the other day had said about Tom Brady. And he was like, listen, bro, 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 bro. And and that's just sort of a generational thing. <laughs> it's just what guys say. And so Blake Snell got on this thing where he's saying, oh, listen, bro, man, I don't know. But but Snell's, Snell's deal, and, and I don't want to – I may be paraphrasing this incorrectly, Steve, so so – change it if, if I'm wrong but I think basically what he, he kind of was talking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit basically he was saying that look there's risk involved here for us to play um, and his big thing was you know I had signed a new contract I'm getting my money if I'm going to play I'm getting my money I want all as much as I can get and I'm, I'm not saying he's talking about the seven million for the year um, maybe he'd be agreeable to to half if they play half a season well the players have already agreed to the Prorated yeah, so to they the number agreed of to games. That part. They've right. agreed to so that. So that's what, not what, that's know. not what he was talking about. Correct. What's not agreed to is in, in baseball in that agreement said oh, subject negotiation or something if if there's no fans in the stands, which is what that's baseball right. now wants to address. That that's the part. That's the part that he had trouble with, and he did. It came out a little clumsy, but it, at the end of the day, I mean, and I I get this from a player standpoint. It's a bad optic when you have you know, this much unemployment and so many people struggling just to feed their families, much less have a job. Um, and, and, you know, you're a millionaire talking about, and not every player is, but you're talking about how much money you can get from billionaires. But the one thing that is true is that with respect to baseball, you know, when these teams or these, or Major League Baseball as a league has a great year, when they kill it with revenues because there's no there's not that that mm-hmm. hard fast revenue share system in baseball it's not like they come to the players and say you know what we did really well this year we made 20 percent more than we anticipated and we're going to give all of our players mm-hmm. that 10 percent. it never goes that way right it only goes the way of hey um, can you help us out because we're not gonna be able to sell any tickets this year and i get why players aren't mm-hmm. so receptive to you know, wait a minute. What, what now? We got to bail you out, and that now this is on us because I get paid to play. I get paid what you mm-hmm. what I signed to pay for, and I take the risk that I could blow my arm out. Mm-hmm. The contract's guaranteed, and that could be the end of my career. And now you're adding COVID to the equation. Who knows what if anybody will get that and what impact that would have? I understand why you know. And, and again, Blake Snow, it didn't come out right, but a lot of players have jumped to his defense and said, you know what. He's right. In many ways, he's right what he's saying. He's he's right in what he's saying as far as, you know, hey, the owners don't give, you know, when the revenues are good, they don't give us more money. But oh, same back. Time, yeah. But that's what's collectively bargained. The baseball players union refuses to do a salary cap and rev share plan because right. they want the $400 million man. 
That's right. And so they've refused that over the years and have said that's absolutely not starting point. So they don't want to participate in the negotiate. We get more money when revenues are great and not as much if they're down. I mean, they've chosen not to participate in that. So, you know, whether and you can argue which is better. I mean, you know, I think baseball players leave too much money on the table, if you ask me, because they take a lot less of the revenues now. Bryce Harper makes four hundred million dollars in that's right in this, but the average player, I mean, they're they're leaving a lot more money on the table by not having mm-hmm. a, by not having a salary cap system. I'm not saying yes. salary caps are perfect or anything because I, th- I think there's problems with those too. But mm-hmm. but baseball chooses to leave money on the table so that guys like Bryce Harper can make you know that much money compared to any other sport. Although basketball gets in those numbers, but it's because there's less players. But right. So he's not wrong in what he says in that, but the the optics you whatever I mean it, you know the optics never look good when millionaires argue with billionaires. Period. Whether it's under COVID or whether oh, it's absolutely. anytime, I mean the optics right. never look good in these in these instances. No. The question is, and you know what Blake has said is, I'm not going to risk my life for less than I signed for, but if I get what I'm signed for, then I'm okay with it. So he has a price on that, which every person can do that. That's fine. I mean, that's, that's Mm -hmm. what he's saying. So his price is, we know what his price is, or is this just part of a negotiation too? I mean, like we've said is, you know, one of the things baseball players don't see is the, is the baseball books, you know, the other sports because of the rev shares, because of they get X percentage of, you know, 50, 47, 48% of the revenues. They know what the owners are making. They know what the teams are making. In baseball, right. you don't really know that, and so you know part of baseball, I think, saying we're not we're not taking a penny less than what our contract is is we want to see the book, we want to know what you're making, right? Yeah, and they're not they're not likely to share that. But Snell got beat up. He got beat up alternately, beat up, and some some people came mm-hmm. to his defense. Um, and I think it was more in the presentation maybe than um, than anything else. But it was interesting that you know it took a race pitcher to. Uh, to to sort of uh, make make news about this agreement. Look, I hope obviously everybody wants baseball back. We want all our sports back. Um, you know, hopefully the fans can eventually come and enjoy these games too. Um, but we still got a long way to go, and 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 there is no perfect way to navigate this. And I think they're all trying to come up with the solutions. And you know, the more the more that comes back, I mean, mistakes are going to be made. There's going to be, um, you know. Obviously, you, you can assume there'll be people that will be in, infected with COVID nineteen, and what do you do in that instance? You can't quarantine teams, you can't cancel seasons or eliminate teams for two weeks, and so um, you know there, there's a lot lot to work through here. But um, boy, we're getting to the point now where um, you know I think there's some some stuff some some substantive talks about how they're going to do this, what it's going to take. And and to go ahead and, and and try it, and you just you know you hope that the science doesn't get them, and that there's not a uh, you know sort of a of a flare up of, of this virus, and that um, they'll have to shut things down. But um, I'm I'm optimistic. I I kind of have gone back and forth a little bit about this. I think this was a, a an important weekend, um, you know, to see some events, you know, come back, even if it was a you know sort of an exhibition golf game or. Um, you know the real thing with with respect to NASCAR, um, the 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 soccer league, obviously that sort of stuff. And um, you know the more they do, the more they can figure some of these issues out. And hopefully, uh, again, NFL has the longest runway. By the time we get to uh, you know September, 
you, you certainly hope that maybe fans can be involved in, in some respect in the stadiums, at the games, or whatnot. But uh, that, that's an eternity in, in, in the world we live in now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I can just say this. I spent the weekend on the beach. Ladies and gentlemen, um and, and nothing against our Pinellas County sheriffs, but let me assure you, on Saturday, there was almost no separation. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what was going on. I assume, and I didn't get the memo, but I assume there was a lot of kids that graduated or would have been graduating, both from college and high school. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm on St. Pete Beach. I have never seen, and I come out here all the time um, at this condo uh, that, that we frequently stay at, I've never seen this many people on the beach as I did Saturday. And there were groups of 12, 14, 17. Um, and, and the sheriffs were up and down the beach, but um, they really didn't separate that many people. And, and I know they were mostly young people. They were in their 20s and their 30s, so God bless them. Hopefully they're not as susceptible to, uh, to this virus as others. But I'm sort of going to be watching, you know, two weeks from now uh, if there's any kind of a, a, a flare-up of, of cases. Hopefully we're, we're past that. Uh, everybody seemed to have a good time, but the, there certainly wasn't any hesitation as far as uh, people coming out to the beaches. And, um, you know, I think hopefully as time goes on, we'll be able to do more. We'll be able to come out and, and you know, you hope these cases don't spike and everything's okay. And, and, and eventually we'll get to the point where, um, you know, in some form we can have fans at these events and, and, and we'll see where it goes. Restaurants are trying to figure this out with respect to, uh, you know, do you, uh, you know, obviously they're always taking the temperatures now of their employees or you can eventually do that with patrons. Uh, we're up to 50% now inside restaurants and, um, you know, we're in the the full phase one. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll Gym, keep our fingers crossed. Gyms are opening this week. And- the gyms are opening, yeah, on on, uh, on today, as a matter of fact. I believe they do. Um, and uh, we've had uh, the salons, the, the mm-hmm. hair cutters and the salons opened last week. So that's... That's a positive sign. So we'll see. Um, But it was good to see sports. Sports are back. And um, certainly that helps us because we'll have lots to talk about, we hope, in the future. Uh, Before we go, I wanted to mention, too, this this happened over the weekend or or towards the end of the week on Friday. Did you see Sean Payton come out? And, um, boy, this let me tell you, this Saints-Bucks rivalry, when it gets going, is going to be really, really good because, you know, we know that those two teams have sort of a history. They're they're obviously – you know, division rivals and things like that. But beyond that, um, you know, we've seen the, the, the awkward handshakes with Dirk Cutter and, uh, and and so on and so forth. Now with Jameis Winston being a New Orleans Saint, um, Sean Payton was uh, on CBS Radio with Jason Lincoln Fora, I think, and was talking about Winston and how he measures favorably or better than some of the quarterbacks coming out this year. Clearly he's played five years. That's in his favor. He's thrown for 5,100 yards last year. Um, interceptions aside, so he's a talented guy. We all know that. Uh, but one one of the things in making the point that Peyton said was, well, look, um, you know, they threw away that last game in 2014 against us. They were up 21-7, to and 
I think Lovey Smith was forced to do it. He was forced to empty his bench, and he took everybody off the game. And um, you know, we had we had uh, McCown taking safeties in the end zone, and I mean, they they willed the New Orleans Saints to come back and beat them, and they did. And that gave them the first overall pick, and they had their choice between. Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, and of course they took Jameis, and the rest is history. I would quibble with one thing. It clearly was a tank job. I've never understood why the Bucks did not forfeit draft picks, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing this. I really thought it was that egregious that they had a 21-7 lead and Drew Brees was throwing interceptions in the end zone, and they emptied the bench. They put guys out there that had never played, um, you know, and they took out all their stars. It was like an exhibition game almost. And they made sure that they lost, and that's what it felt like. And they didn't have good explanations after that game. You can go back and read the stories that I wrote. It was it was tanking. It was an embarrassment. If I had money on it in Las Vegas, I would have gone all over the, the casinos and gotten mad at them for uh, accepting what I just watched. Um, but they got their, their first pick. My quibble would be with, with Peyton is that this notion that Lovey Smith – was forced to do it. Um, <laughs> please play a please, because I'm telling you, I talked to Lovey a long time before, during, and after that process. And maybe the Glazers were on board with which quarterback they got. When I talked to him in March, they didn't seem to care. They had signed off on all of them. Um, but Lovey Smith was all about Jameis Winston. And I'll never forget, he had not even interviewed Jameis Winston in February at the Combine after they lost said game and knew they had the first overall pick. And myself and Roy Cummings was in his hotel room in Indianapolis before he went on the podium to talk to people about having the first pick in the draft. And he told us, he said, Rick, Rick, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Rick, We none of us were there. We don't know what happened between him and that girl, Florence. Rick, BB guns, I mean, heck, me and my brother used to shoot. You know, when we stopped, when we realized one of us was going to shoot our eye out, that's when we stopped. And hookups, come on now. Come on now. We all had the hookups. and call. I mean, he went ad linem down the list of, of grievances that people had against Jameis and made it clear that day that they were taking Jameis Winston and that that was going to be their guy. So enough of, I mean, Sean may have gotten a lot with respect to tanking. The one thing he got wrong in that quote was that Lovey was forced to do it. I assure you he wasn't forced. It was willful. All right, finally, some sad news, and I hope people can, um, and, and I know this community, they're going to rally to this, but uh, a terrible fire at Blake High School. Fortunately, uh, nobody was injured or, or, or killed in that thing, but uh, it destroyed essentially the entire football program's equipment. Mm-hmm. I'm talking everything from uh, helmets to uniforms to sleds to everything you would you could imagine you would need to have a football program uh, was destroyed in that uh, fairly uh, large fire. And um, just, just, I mean, you know, first of all, let's hope there's high school football in the fall. Certainly they're planning on it uh, at some point, I would think, when schools come back. But it's it's a program in need. It's one that uh, is going to need a lot of help, and I think they lost some fifteen thousand uh, dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, that's what they're estimating. They said some of the coaches bought some of that stuff too. Um, yeah, food, like their tackling dummies and daily right. workout gear, and even the uh, the uh, the logo piece that they put on on the center of the field, the homemade stencil with the yellow jacket logo that they paint the field on. I mean, they lost wow. that stuff too. I mean, yeah. 
Right? It's disappointing. It's going to be tough. But, again, uh, there's, there's plenty of people that will rally around Blake High School, and, and, and you hope they get that going. And you hope there's there's football in the fall. But in the meantime, I'm sure there'll be uh, you know ways to contribute to that if, if you uh, would keep your mind on it and help them out if you can do anything. Um, you know, I'm sure if you just read the papers, there'll be some – some GoFundMe's and some things that'll be coming up to uh, to help Blake High School. It's been a been a rough time, man, for for schools in general. Like I said, I was at the beach and I and, and while you know we used to have gatherings for graduation and things like that, these kids that are getting together now, you can't blame them. And they didn't have they many of them didn't get to walk at graduation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they missed their entire their entire uh, you know senior years of of sports participation and things like this devastating i mean i just i go back and say it if i had not played my senior year of high school i don't know that i that i get to college i don't know that i I know my parents couldn't have afforded it it led me uh to a two-year degree and then four years uh, you know overall when i finished at arkansas state playing baseball and there's a lot of athletes that are in that same boat where Mm -hmm. they could have used their senior year to propel them to greater things so you just hope that they still get a chance or that they find their own way somehow uh, despite what they've been through, but um, man, it's it's been difficult for what the class of 2020, which is going to be a very resilient, very special group of people if they can come through all this. Uh, but uh, certainly, congratulations first and foremost to those that uh, have made it through high school. You got a lot to be proud of, and and college as well. And I think all of them were at St. Pete Beach this weekend without fail. I'm telling you, man, it was it was uncomfortable. It was like, holy, I don't think we're I don't think we're six six inches away from each other let alone six feet but um but it was a beautiful weekend and um and, and a lot of a lot of people a lot of kids in general were having a good time so we're going to have a good time this week on the podcast as well still got plenty of sports to talk about as baseball and hockey and everybody tries to come back and begin their seasons we're gonna have tom jones this week he'll join us probably for a couple of shows which is always great to hear from uh, my former radio partner and uh of course we'll have a mailbag later as well and you don't have to wait for us to announce the mailbag we have some questions uh, from last week's leftover as well but you can actually send us a question anytime on twitter at sports day tv you can reach me on twitter at nfl stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com for steve versnick have a great day everybody hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 